When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkout's not until four, so. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only, Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Do not, do not, do not touch that dial. You heard the man. It's time for Fox Sports Sunday as we kick off the day with great exuberance and we are ready. So please put your seat backs forward and your tray tables upright. We are taking off. My name is Bernie Fratto. I'm coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. We're going to take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern, along with my savvy and capable crew, Chris Perfett, my technical producer, Brian Finley on the updates, and Ricky Herrera. They will man the ship from our Los Angeles compound. We've got a full docket of topics, facts, figures, stories, opinions, headlines, rumors, Lies. No, we don't tell lies. We only tell the truth. No lies, but you get the picture. All I know is we've got an abundance of subjects. So as they say in Harold Stassen, Minnesota, let's get busy. All right. I've said it before. We don't have royalty in this country. Our athletes and our entertainers are our royalty. And we're living in an era where the average attention span with people is about eight seconds. But let me tell you, Thursday night, there was an event that took place that captured America's attention. Now, whether or not 
You saw the movie Feel the Dreams or like the movie. One thing is for sure, 32 years later, it is still talked about in a big way. Remember, it grossed $85 million at the box office, and that was 1989 numbers when movie tickets were a fraction of what they are now. And in that movie Feel the Dreams, Moonlight Graham, played by Burt Lancaster, well, he made the following statement, quote, we just don't recognize life's most significant moments while they're happening. Back then I thought, well, there'll be other days. I didn't realize it would be my only day, end quote. Now, hold that thought. See, Major League Baseball did a really cool thing Thursday night. It was an idea that, frankly, it was long overdue because at one time the game of baseball was very romanticized in this country. And Thursday night recaptured some of that. People who know me, they know I love all sports. The essence of competition, the lore, the backstories, the thing that bring players to life the things that bring progress to life. In baseball, it's incredibly unique in that area because it's not like any other game. With every other game, you put a goal on this side, you put a goal on that side, you got a field, a playing field, and a time clock. It usually starts with a whistle or a buzzer, ends with a gun or a siren, you have a finite amount of time to win the game, and you go home. Not baseball. In baseball, there's no time clock. They've got to get you out 27 times, and while all sports involve critical thinking skills, to succeed, baseball is the ultimate thinking man's game it could, because it's a game built on failure. In fact, baseball, in baseball, there's failure every 15 seconds. The pitcher fails to throw a strike. The hitter fails to make contact. The fielder fails to make a play. The hitter fails to reach base, so on and so forth. And it lasts for three hours until one team prevails, and it teaches us two things about life. One, failure is never final. And two, failure is an integral part of on the road to success. It's not what happens to you in life or on the field. It's how you react. Such is the essence of the movie Field of Dreams. Well, it's a movie that creatively employs the game of baseball and a magical field as its metaphor. Field of Dreams is not a movie about baseball. It's a movie about redemption. It's a movie about conflict resolution, hope, faith, regret, and the universal axiom that baseball is all about nurturing the adolescent bond between fathers and sons. It's a game that transcends time. It arouses emotion. It shows us that in the game of baseball like life, we will all have our chances to step up to the plate and take our swings. Or we can simply leave the bat on our shoulder and watch the pitches or opportunities go by. Which choice will you make? And after you've made your decision to swing away or stand there, like the house on the side of the road, how will you deal with the consequences, the result, the outcome? Woody Allen said it best, nostalgia is a trap. It was ingenious to feature a real Major League Baseball game at the official Field of Dreams Diamond in Dyersville, Iowa. Remember what Terrence Mann told Ray during his famous soliloquy? The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. America has rolled by like an army of steamrollers. It's been erased like a blackboard, rebuilt and erased again. But baseball has marked the time. This field, this game, it's part of our past, Ray. It reminds us of all that was once good and that could be good again. Why do you think people come from all over the world to see the Field of Dreams up close and personal? Now, the actual Field of Dreams movie site on the Lansing Farm in Dyersville, Iowa, it continues to be one of the hottest top tourist attractions in the state and in the nation. From all over the United States, people flock to visit that field, trying to make the same connection with the lost innocence of youth that this film 
so effectively portrayed. A hundred thousand people annually visit that field and look no further than the word nostalgia. Nostalgia for baseball, nostalgia for childhood memories, long lost dreams. You know, nostalgia is defined as a sentimental longing or wistful affection for the past, typically for a period or a place that have happy personal associations. Nostalgia is associated with a longing for the past, a thirst for memorable times, the personalities of people you knew, possibilities, events, especially the good old days. You see, the movie Field of Dreams capitalizes on all of this. Field of Dreams is, in fact, an engaging film. It uses baseball as a metaphor on human aspirations, righting old wrongs, going the distance, celebrating those magic moments when life on earth can seem heavenly, even if only for a moment. And then there are some facts about the movie Field of Dreams I bet you never knew. I got a kick when I started to do research about this. I remember exactly where I was and what I was doing when I saw a movie Field of Dreams. What's One of the things that, that's the famous movie line is if you build it, he will come, is typically misquoted all the time. People always say, if you build it, they will come. I remember when they were building the stadium here in Las Vegas or when I was in Detroit and they were building Comerica Park, people would say, if you build it, they will come. The actual movie line is, if you build it, he will come. And they weren't referring to Shoeless Joe Jackson. They were referring to the father of the writer, WPK or WP Kinsella. See, this line... Is such an impactful line in, in the in the annals of movie lore that it actually ranks number thirty nine on AFI's one hundred greatest movie quotes of all time. If you build it, he will come. Not if you build it, they will come. By the way, Moonlight Graham was a real person. Uh, Kinsella used Archibald Moonlight Graham's real life story for his book. That's W. P. Kinsella, the writer of the book Shoeless Joe, with the exception that Graham's Lone Major League game took place in June 1905, not the last day of the 1922 season, like Burt Lancaster's character in the film said. Now, the author found Graham's name in a baseball encyclopedia, and he had gotten the baseball encyclopedia as a gift and decided this name was so good, it was better than anything he could come up with as a writer on his own. So, obviously, in real life, Graham, uh, in real life, too, by the way, Moonlight Graham became a doctor, a, a, a beloved doctor in the in the whole in the town of Chisholm, Minnesota, after answering a newspaper ad. But he did play one game on a Sunday in the major leagues, but didn't have an at bat. But Burt Land, you know. But here's another interesting fact about Field of Dreams: Burt Lancaster was not the first choice to play Moonlight Graham. Believe it or not, it was. Wait for it, Jimmy Stewart. Jimmy Stewart was the first choice to play Moonlight Graham in Field of Dreams, and Jimmy Stewart passed on the role. Then they asked Burt Lancaster. He didn't want the role either, because when he read the script, he goes, I don't get it. What, what is this? But a friend convinced him to take the part. And by the way, Roger Ebert, one of the greatest movie reviewers of all time, who gave a four-star review of the movie, he said the Field of Dreams was the kind of movie that Frank Capra, and of course that was It's a Wonderful Life that Kevin Costner always talks about, he said, that's the kind of movie Frank Capper would have asked Jimmy Stewart to star in. But be that as it may, I think it worked out just fine with with uh, Burt Lancaster. Ray Liotta, who played Shoeless Joe Jackson, believe it or not, he's never seen the movie. And although Ray Liotta has been told that Field of Dreams is a great movie, he's yet to see it for himself because 
His mother was very sick when they started filming the movie, and he mentally associates that event with his mother with the movie. And so Ray Liotta, as you know, who he played Shoeless Joe Jackson, in the movie, he's never seen it. And word has it, Shoeless Joe Jackson never saw it either. By the way, Dwyer Brown, who played Catch, who was John Kinsella, Ray Kinsella's dad. He was Kevin Costner's dad in the movie. His father actually died in real life 36 days before they started filming. So he admitted he was able to draw on that experience while he was playing catch. Here's another fun fact. When the scenes were filmed at Fenway Park, guess who two of the extras were in the stands? Yep, Ben, ben Affleck and Matt Damon. Damon was 17 years old. Affleck was 16. That was the summer of 88 when the film shot on location for the scenes for Fenway Park. By the way, the rest of the Boston scenes, I believe those were actually shot in in Dubuque, Iowa. But remember when Ray went to the Red Sox game with Terrence Mann and he saw the vision on the scoreboard to travel to Chisholm, Minnesota to find Moonlight Graham? And then uh, what's funny is 13 years later, the writer-director of of, uh, Field of Dreams, Philip Alden Robinson, did the movie The Sum of All Fears, and Ben Affleck was a star in that movie. And on the first day of shooting, Affleck jokingly walked up to him and said, nice working with you again. <laughs> he didn't know what he was talking about, and he explained that he had been a, Ben Affleck explained he had been an extra in the, in, in the movie Field of Dreams. By the way, in order to make that final scene in Field of Dreams work, which is my favorite, by the way, the citizens of Dyersville, Iowa, agreed to a town-wide blackout. And they all got in their cars, that was not a computer-generated scene back in 1988. Of course, the movie came out in May of 89. But in the final scene, 3,000 Iowa residents got in 1,500 cars, and they agreed to shut off the lights off in the town. It was a forced blackout, and it they lined up the cars. That was real. And the director's instructions were broadcast on a local radio station. One was for the drivers to flash their high beams off and on as they drove to make it look as there was even more movement than there actually was as a camera pan back. And believe it or not, the movie was supposed to be called Shoeless Joe. But the movie studio, which was Universal Pictures, they kiboshed the name when test audiences thought Shoeless Joe was some homeless hobo. You can't make this stuff up. They did not want that to be the title. So the bottom line on Thursday night, in my view, Major League Baseball hit a home run. It was the it was the union of the game in the movie that made Major League Baseball at the Field of Dreams so special. I mean, it was a game made for TV. Come on, it was cinematic, even the way it ended. And I, I would just say Roger Ebert would have been proud of this. He gave Field of Dreams a four-star review when it first appeared on the big screen. And I would just say this again, that Thursday night was about the timeless nature of baseball and the universal appeal of the game. And if you don't believe me, ask former major leaguer A.J. Przinsky, who couldn't wait to get there. He made a special trip to go to that field just so he could go on the field and play catch with his son. You know, we don't often recognize the significant moments in our life when they're happening, but this time for once, I'm guessing we did. And since, since the game, we've now found out that it was the highest-rated regular season game on Fox in 16 years in the major leagues. It was the most watched game by a female viewing audience since 1998 and the most watched game among teenagers between 12 and 17 in the last 15 years. Baseball hit a home run. Coming up, we're going to be joined by the gentleman, the only two-time winner of the prestigious Hilton Now Westgate Super Contest here in Las Vegas. We are introducing tonight the Fezzik Five. Steve Fezzik will join us, and this isn't just about best bets or who to bet or who to, you know, fade. 
He's got some clever stuff for you. You like to come to Vegas and maybe drink for free? Then you're going to want to listen to this gentleman coming up. Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. It's amazing because Discover is accepted at 99% of the places in the U.S. that take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report limitations apply. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studio. Stick and stay. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only, Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Oh, such a clutch pickup, Dave. I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. What, you fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. He scores. Go to Blinds.com for 40% off site-wide and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for 40% off site-wide at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. 
Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my game. <laughs> We're back on Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from Las Vegas. Fox Sports Radio Studios will take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern. Let's welcome in a gentleman. You're going to love this guy. He's the only two-time winner of the Hilton Super Contest here in Las Vegas. You hear him around the dial, but in addition to giving out best bets and great strategy, he is a Vegas aficionado and a longtime good friend of mine. We are introducing tonight the Fezzik Five, and when we get done, you'll know why. You're not going to want to miss this segment. Stay hello to Steve Fezzik. Fez, how are you, buddy? No better place to be than Las Vegas on a late Saturday night, Bernie, and amazing. I've been here 21 years now. Sunday morning, too, buddy. Sunday morning, any day. <laughs> it's all day. We never close. Fez, let's jump right on it. The Fezzik Five, for starters, although people have kvetched about paying parking prices on the Strip, there are ways where you can park for free. Tell them how. Absolutely. And the way to park for free, you have to get the MGM Mirage credit card. So you sign up for the credit card, you link it to your player's card, and it will automatically get you Pearl status. Don't have to gamble at all, Bernie. All you have to do is have the credit card. And if you have Pearl status, that means you get to park for free at any MGM property. Why is that huge? Well, Mandalay Bay is right across the I-15 from Allegiant Stadium, and you park at the Park MGM, Bellagio, all of the big um, shows and the like. Event parking, now $100 on special event parking days. You get to park for free. Outstanding stuff. And now you've parked the car, you walk in, you might want to have your favorite libation. Believe it or not, there are ways you can, in effect, drink for free, Fez. Absolutely. And I know people who have prided themselves on never having bought a drink in Vegas. And it really depends what casino you're playing at. If it's a little bit of a divey casino, just walk to the bar. Any of the drinks at the bar, they have a video poker machine. Put $20 into the video poker. Don't even have to play till the bartender comes by. And then go ahead and play a couple hands. Order your libation. If you tip him, he won't mind at all. You'll be able to play for free. Now, at the Primo joints, it's a little bit more difficult. You may have to go to the craps table. Here's what you do. Buy in for $200. Get the chips in front of you and just wait for the cocktail waitress, Bernie. Go ahead and order drinks. No one will say anything. Every now and then, make a $5 bet on the pass line. Every $5 you bet, cost you seven cents bernie that's your expectation <laughs> minus 1.4 percent i can drink a lot faster than uh, they can roll those dice talking with steve fezzik the only two-time winner of the prestigious hilton now westgate contest here in las vegas follow him on twitter at fezzik sports you'll hear him on my show straight out of vegas throughout the football season he's a fan favorite all right fez now that you've parked your car and you've had a couple of cream dements you might want to throw down a shekel or two what are your thoughts on that? All right, let's gamble for free now. Well, it's not exactly free unless you want to go ahead and invest the time and read the poker books and learn how to card count at blackjack. But that's going to take you, you know, a good couple months to master at the very least. Well, to the point where you can play even against the house. So 
to go ahead and just have fun and have a tiny disadvantage, craps is the engine. Like I mentioned, House Edge on the pass line, only a mere 1.4%. No House Edge if you take your odds. If you restrict your bets to just that, don't play Ken the hard ways. Don't play the field. Just bet on the pass line. You'll be at a tiny disadvantage. You certainly can play blackjack with a little laminated card with a similar uh, disadvantage, actually a little bit less, if you, uh, you can get that just at any uh, gift shop, and it'll tell you what to do. If you have an A7, the dealer is a 5-up, you got to know that you need to double down. The card will tell you. If you follow the card perfectly, the house edge well under 1% against you. You just gave... Uh, ten years of an education from the book, how to you know betting in blackjack. Thorpe Houston, I, I tell you, folks are going to have to go back and re-listen to this podcast to capture all that. We're listening to Steve Fezzik, only two-time winner of the prestigious Hilton now uh, Westgate Super Contest here in Las Vegas. And Fez, look, let's cut to the chase. The cat's out of the bag. Betting preseason football, there are many great advantages to betting preseason football, and you don't have to be a professional better. I'm not a professional better. I'm a very active better, as Steve Fezzik knows, but I'm not a professional better. But Fez, tell the folks why, frankly, the pros love the preseason. Because the odds makers hate trying to set lines for the preseason. It's so darn difficult. I'll use a game that lost today. Cleveland-Jacksonville. Cleveland opened a four-point favorite. Jacksonville closed the four-point favorite. We had an eight-point line move. It didn't get there. That's a game that did lose. So there's no guarantees in this business. But the mere fact that the odds makers and the betters could have an eight-point disagreement in terms of where a line would be, this would never happen in the regular season unless we had an elite quarterback get injured. The odds makers really struggled to be able to set these numbers. And because of that, there are major opportunities for the betters each and every week during the preseason weeks. Well, and I want to piggyback on that, Fez, because my best bet, which I gave out on last week's show, was the Bengals plus six tonight because the reason I like, and I'm sure you'll second this, preseason betting so much, is how often can you have a professional sporting bet, a a sporting event, where on one side of the ball, one team cares if they win, and the other side doesn't really care if they win. They have a different agenda, such is the case with the Super Bowl champs, who when they're laying six or more, they were laying six tonight, four and 15 against the number since 2005. Fez, one of the things we can do in in Las Vegas now, and frankly, in a lot of regulated markets, especially if you have the app, is bet in-game live betting. Explain to folks the concept of live betting in-game and why it's so popular and can be so effective. Well, it can be so effective because you can go in with all these preconceived notions about the game. You can completely have done your homework, but then things change and absolutely you can get a grasp of look at the preseason game with minnesota today denver when they started to talk about the quarterback rotation for the vikings and they they were going to go with mond for the whole during the entire second half and he just wasn't ready to go and it was clear that Minnesota was just not going to be competitive in this game. You could have bet Denver live. You could have bet under live and certainly gotten there. Whereas before the game starts, a lot of that just isn't obvious. And if you really focus and follow one game, 
it absolutely can lend you to some great bets. Not to mention, if you shop around, Bernie, it's not unusual as you're surfing around that you can see lines where a team served by two in one place, three in another. A lot of different lines that are out there at identical times. Contrast that with a pre-flop bet before the game starts. Pretty much everyone's dealing almost identical numbers because it's all on the screen and everyone is copying. Well, one of the things also about in-game live betting is, for instance, uh, if a game gets out to a lopsided, what may what may be considered a lopsided potential event. Here's what I mean by that, Fez. So let's say a typical NFL game, the total is 42 and a half. All of a sudden, these two teams, because of turnovers or kickoff return, they've got 30 points at the half. They'll put up a second half line, or even during the game, you'll see an adjusted total line. You can come back on the under and find yourself a middle. Explain how that works for folks. Yeah, so, you know, my favorite aspect of that is, let's say that you had some sharps all over a game, and the total on that game moves three points, so it moves down from 40 down to 37, and then the game starts out, and there's a kickoff return for touchdown, or some other um, uh, event that really was not predictable, and now the live wagering number is suddenly going to be 44, and you can say, you know what, I got the best better in the world, and they were playing under 40, well, I couldn't get that number, because that number had moved, and it was 37, but now, boom, now I can play under 44 and get a much better number than what even the best betters in the world got. Their handicap was probably sound if the only reason that the game is trending higher is because of a fluke play. In situations like that, it is rarely wrong to play what the wise guys played, but to get a better number. Outstanding stuff. He is Steve Fezzik. This is the Fezzik Five. After football kicks off for real in September, Fez will be joining me on a regular basis as he's done the last three football season. Steve, tell them where they can find you on Twitter, and thanks so much. Yeah, at Fezzik Sports on Twitter, and I only sell my plays at pregame.com. If you're finding me anywhere else, that's not me, Bernie. All right, the Fezzik Five. You see, we didn't even give it any picks tonight. Just some good Vegas inside information. Good stuff, Fez. Very good. We can go Bengals under six and a half wins. Best bet. There you go. There's a bonus. The Fez Six. Fez Five rolls off the uh, tongue a little bit better. All right, thanks so much, Steve. Thank you, Bernie. That is Steve Fezzik, again, the only two-time winner of the prestigious Hilton, now super, uh, the, it's now called the Westgate Super Contest here in Las Vegas. And that is the Fezzik 5. You just talked about how you can park for free, drink for free, and even kind of gamble for free. Coming up, 61 feet 6 inches just does not roll off the tongue, but it might have to sooner rather than later, or hopefully maybe never. But first... Let's go to the man. He may be cheap, he may be free, but he ain't easy. It's Bruin Finley with the latest. That is what I tell the dates on the dating apps. But Socks with sandals, baby. Socks with sandals. Let me tell you, that gets a first date like none other. Tyler Gilbert, Bernie, what a year he has had. If you go back to 2020 during COVID-19, the shutdown, he was throwing bullpen sessions with an old high school friend, also working alongside his dad doing electrical stuff. And yesterday, Gilbert, in his Major League Baseball debut on the mound, pitches a no-hitter. What 
a turnaround in a single year as he orchestrates a win for the Diamondbacks against the Padres. 7-0 the final score. Saturday, a frenzy of NFL exhibition games. Nathan Peterman with the Raiders through for 246 yards and a pick as Las Vegas and Bernie's team, the Raiders there in Vegas, are able to take down the Seahawks 20-7. Trey Lance with an 80-yard touchdown pass to Trent Sherfield for the score. Lance took over after the opening drive and then he finished his evening following the first drive of the second half. Despite that touchdown throw, not a lot going well for Lance, at least in this first exhibition contest. 5 of 14 through the year, 128 yards, and the Niners end up losing to the Chiefs 19 to 16. Jordan Love, 12 of 17 passing for the Packers. He had a score. Green Bay, though, falls to the Texans 26 to 7, and the rookie out of Stanford, Davis Mills, the QB for Houston, 50% as far as his completion percentage and an interception. Zach Wilson, no interceptions, no touchdowns, but did throw six of nine while he was in for the Jets in their 12-7 win over the Giants. The, Jar- the Chargers are able to take down the Rams 13-6. No Justin Herbert, no Matt Stafford. Chase Daniel was the one to get the start at the QB position for Los Angeles. The Chargers, that is, through just over 100 yards. A couple quick mentions in baseball. Shohei Otani rounds up another home run, but his Angels fall to the the Astros 8-2. The Rockies sideswipe the Giants 4-1. Kyle Freeland gets his third straight win on the bump, and despite the Rays being atop the AL East, they got emasculated on Saturday by the Twins. 12-0 was the final, and Tampa, despite that, leads the Boston Red Sox by four games, four first in the AL East. As we work the basketball Back to a man who was dominant in the key, and he's also good from the free throw line. That's Bernie Prado. Emasculated. You know, we got to wear emasculated here in Vegas again now indoors, Brian. (laughs) (laughs) Bernie, that's a pretty good one. I'll give you that. Was that original, or did you? Uh, I just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm opening up for Shecky Green in the Catskills Tuesday. I figured I'd try out my material tonight. Yeah, it just came out. I don't. I don't know how it just. It just kind of came out. All right, that is Bruin Finley, the Silver Tongue Devil, with the Silver Tongue vocabulary. And as soon as I get home, I'm going to look that word up. Emasculated, or or maybe not, or maybe O'Brien will tell me later. All right, baseball's at it again. Uh, you're ticking me off now. I just complimented the wonderful thing baseball did the other night. Now I'm going to throw a flag. You know, back in the day, uh, there was a Yankees player by the name of Ron Bloomberg. He was in, he was a veteran near the end of his career. He's playing for the New York Yankees. And one, one Christmas, uh, it was during the month of December, before the 73 season, he gets a call from his agent. And his agent says, uh, uh, Ron, you're going to be the new DH for the team this year. And, and Bloomberg says, what's that, designated Hebrew? He actually didn't even know what a DH was. In, in 1973 was the first year that the American League ever employed the designated hitter. And, you know, pundits said it would never last, but almost 50 years later, well, it's still here. And it was one of many changes that have been implemented in Major League Baseball over the last several decades, starting with expansion, uh, creating the divisions, uh, AstroTurf, Dome Stadiums, Interleague Play, the Wild Card Game. And now even these wacky additions like putting a man on second base to start extra innings. By the way, that one's not working. 
and I think they're going to get rid of it next year. But with each new change over the decades, there's all kinds of teeth gnashing among the purists. But but one particular day, Don Drysdale, the late great Don Drysdale, once said, "Calm down, everybody. There's always going to be changes in baseball. Just don't mess with 60 feet six inches and 90 feet between the bases. Those things are sacred." Well, guess what? Starting last Tuesday in the independent Atlantic League, the minor leagues, there, and for now only there, oh, <coughs> one of baseball's most sacred distances will be expanded in the name of investigation. For now, it's only an experiment, but let's face it, 61 feet 6 inches doesn't exactly roll off the tongue so nicely. But in truth, they're experimenting with moving the mound back by one foot because they're, bl- they're, they're blaming it on the strikeout rates. You have to start with the recognition that the pitcher-batter relationship dynamic is really out of balance right now. Who says that? Well, uh, you may have heard of Theo Epstein. He won a pennant in Boston, and he won one with the Cubs. Pennant won the World Series in both places. He's now a Major League Baseball rules consultant, and he believes it's out of balance and that, quote, we have to look for ways to restore the equilibrium. The strikeout rate in Major League Baseball this season, as of this last weekend, is about 24%. Now, just in the 90s, which wasn't that long ago, it was more in the neighborhood of 15%. Now, that's a pretty gigantic jump, right? And so you've had this recent crackdown on sticky substances and, uh, you know, spider tack and all that kind of stuff. But now Major League Baseball is still looking to other potential means of ensuring that more hitters make contact. Now, they've even engaged in a study by the American Sports Medicine Institute that demonstrated that there was no meaningful difference in measures of rotational motion or acceleration for pitchers when they move as far back as 63 feet 8 inches. So there's a scientific reason to believe that at least if they if they do move the mound back to 61 feet 6 inches they won't it won't pose any injury you know risk of injury to the players and that's important to the pitchers and that's you know why major league baseball determined the pitching distance adjustment is a worthwhile experiment and they're trying it in the major leagues now the good news is the other sacred measurement per Don Drysdale, and I agree with him 90 feet between the bases that remains intact although there's Actually, they're experimenting with some larger bases at AAA, and that if you're if you really want to get granular, that shortens the span by three inches because the bases are bigger. Look, this isn't the first time the mound's been moved back. Now they haven't done it since 1893. Back then it was 55 feet, and before that it was even more. And it's simply because every time pitching gets ahead of ba- uh, hitting, then they want to do something to restore balance in baseball. And in 1893, when they moved the mound from 55 feet to 60 feet 6 inches, the league batting average actually jumped 40 points. It was a cumulative batting average of 245, went to 285, and the strikeout rate went from 9% down to 5%. All right, so that's why they're tinkering with it. All right, these are human decisions, more than scientific in my view. And, you know, according to baseball historian... John Thorne, he says, quote, and he's a very respected guy, he says, look, baseball is not a 100-yard dash. In baseball, we can move the tape if we want to because we need to create entertainment. If it comes from someone like that, maybe I'm not as ticked off as I would be, 
But I am still very skeptical, and I would just say this. You know somewhere Ron Bloomberg might be smiling because he's a hitter, but Don Drysdale, he must be spinning in his grave. I hope it doesn't happen. Again, 61 feet, 6 inches. To me, that just does not roll off the tongue. Coming up, again, you know him, you love him, you can't live without him. Time for Mackinac Sports with Mackenzie Rivers. We're going to give some grades to the rookie QBs making their preseason debut tonight. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Stick and stay. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday and Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. We're back on Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. I'm Bernie Fratto. Come to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. We'll take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern. It is that time. You know me, love me, can't live without him. Mackin' on Sports with Mackenzie Rivers. Mackenzie, we had three quarterbacks who made their debuts tonight who were drafted in the first round. And we're going to talk about four and maybe even a fifth. But... Uh, I, I here's what I want to do. I want to start with we're not going to go any particular order. I want to start with Justin Fields because these are my observations and then we'll see what your thoughts are. Um he showed to me great athleticism, good arm strength. He's a competitor. He's not ready to start week 1, not in my opinion. Uh his two best throws were when he rolled to his right and threw across his body. You can't do that. He is too antsy to leave the pocket. He's got to operate better from the pocket. Uh, they didn't ask him to do a lot tonight, but I liked his competitiveness. Clearly, he's a quarterback in the future and you can see the star power, but I do not believe he is ready to start week 1. What do you think of Justin Fields tonight? Agree with you. I think they're going with Dalton. Shout out to the Prince of Darkness, Jonas Knox. When those odds came out over the summer, it was like minus 200. Dalton to start week one versus Fields. He was like, that's the lock of the century. Well, now it's minus 500. So, you know, good on him. Good on him. I, him. I saw a lot of the same things, Bernie. The ceiling was there. We saw his nine-yard touchdown run, 4-4 speed out of a cannon. He was dropping back, and as soon as he saw it, he hit it that is something that you're going to see in the NFL in the next, you know, decade or so that really hasn't been there. You know, Lamar Jackson was kind of the precursor to that kind of speed at that position. But although his ceiling was there, his 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 game, his move, his play-by-play decision making wasn't always there. I gave him a B for battling back. He fumbled his first snap. He fumbled as the third play of the game, but he ended up leading two touchdown drives and won the game for his team. I mean, that's that's what you want to see as a Bears fan. You know, hope for yeah. the future down the road well again quarterback comes down to one thing recognition you've got to have a base level of talent you've got to have a base level of arm strength and athleticism to play in the league but it's a quarter it's a position you play with your eyes you receive the ball you make mental snapshots you make pre-snap reads you make your decision and you execute many times he stared down his hot read and threw to his hot read now these are things he, he can learn but he's going to have to learn. And one thing I should note also, McKenzie, this is important. Fields was going up against the twos tonight. Okay. we got to see. Now, he would probably benefit with playing with the number one offense as well. Better skill. But if he goes against the number one defense, they're going to do things to confuse him in disguise. He's going to have to recognize. 
That Trevor is a great Lawrence. point, Barney. Let me let me just pick up on that because I loved your segment. I think it is the question of the baseball summer, the eternal struggle, Bernie, between pitchers and batters. Theo Epstein trying to set things right. Preseason football is a rare opportunity that we get to see the defense in the modern NFL ahead of the offense. You look at the totals, they're way lower. You look at the series-by-series results, they're way worse. You see a lot of big hits. You see a lot of sacks. You see a lot of stuffs up the middle because the defense is more primal, more simple. They're able to get to their maximum ability sooner in the summer than the offense is. So in that eternal struggle, we often lament how far the offense is ahead of the defense. The preseason, if you like defense, is for you. Now, Trevor Lawrence, there's not a lot to really unpack here because seven of the last nine picks that were picked number one overall, a quarterback that was picked number one overall, seven of the last nine started week one. Lawrence is going to start week one. He did hold the ball a little too long in the pocket, but you could see his brain ticking. He's looking at, he's making his progressions, scanning the field, tremendous arm strength. Not a lot to see there. Jacksonville's got terrible personnel. They're in for a long year, but I thought Lawrence was everything is advertised, frankly. Indeed, Bernie. I think probably maybe the strongest performance of the night. The numbers weren't there, but you look at next-gen stats, three for four for 47 yards on tight window throws. You saw him make that one-third and long to get out of his own goal line to Marvin Jones Jr. Just dropped it on a rope. That's that's hope. That's what you want to see. That is highlight franchise-level stuff. And we're not going to have time to get through all five debuts that we saw this weekend in this segment, but that's why you're going to hang around for next hour. But right. Trevor, Trevor Lawrence, like you said, very strong performance. Didn't get any touchdowns on the board, but you look at the play-by-play, you know, more than decent. Got a couple excellent top-five-level throws in there. I'm going to tell you a guy I was impressed with, and I think the Hoy Poloi was fooled by this. Zach Wilson looked excellent tonight. He is, he has great arm talent. He can fit the ball in tight windows. He was very efficient. He got the ball out of his hand quicker than everybody else tonight. And I think he's got a real future in the league. We'll see. But I bet you if your Uncle Kyle looked at him, he'd say, this kid is pretty efficient. He's got great arm talent, can fit it in tight windows. He may not be the darling everybody expects him to be, but I'll tell you this, he looked pretty good to me tonight. In a defensive matchup with Robert Salah at the helm, he got the W for his team. Very first possession of the of the game, third and nine. Looks like a pro out there. Looks like the Brett Favre potential that we all want to see you know moves a little bit in the pocket and fires gets that first down you know two for two on throws 10 plus yards small sample size but very nice performance from the young kid real quickly trey lance clearly the star power is there he looks the part he's confident he's very very raw he got sacked six times he's he will have to understand what it takes to prosecute an nfl offense uh there were a couple drops not his fault he put a dime for an 80 yard reception but for the most part frankly i think he's not really nearly ready to start i'd be shocked if he started week one He's going to play for us this year, Cousin Kyle says. I believe that. I don't. I think believe that be too, a, yes. I don't think it's going to be at the starting quarterback role, which obviously is what most 49ers fans want to see sooner rather than later. Grant Cohn was getting after my Cousin Kyle a little bit on the internet. Let me just snap back just a little bit. Oh, yes, he took six sacks. Oh, yes, all right. He doesn't know this. He doesn't know that. His average depth of target was over 12 yards per throw. That's 10 times 
longer, further throwing than Jimmy Garoppolo's. There's a lot of easy throws that my cousin Kyle can throw in there at any given time for any quarterback. They didn't give him any easy throws. They said, no. Lance, Trey Kidd, you're going to get out there like a real quarterback. I know what you were doing in North Dakota, running options and everything. This is going to be drop back five steps. You got to read. You got to make second and third options. He got sacked six times. He didn't always make it, but I was very, very impressed. A minus for me. That 80-yard throw, that's the thing of dreams, Bernie, in a bread basket on his very first long shot in his NFL career. Uh, Jimmy G was 24 and 8 as a starter, but it'll be a miracle if he makes it through the season. You're going to see Trey Lance this year, and I think they'll put some packages in for him, even with Jimmy G there. He's got too much talent. Coming up, the malice at the palace. Well, Netflix did a thing about it, but okay, I was there. We're going to chop it up. I'm Bernie Fratto. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Keep it locked right here, Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Hey, it's Ben, host of The Fifth Hour with Ben Maller, along with my trusty sidekick, David Gascon. Would mean a lot to have you join us on our weekly auditory journey. You're asking, what in God's name is The Fifth Hour? I'll tell you, it's a spinoff of The Ben Maller Show, a cult hit overnights on FSR. Why should you listen? Picture, if you will, a world where we chat with captains of industry in media, sports, and more every week. Explore some amazing facts about human nature and more. Listen to The Fifth Hour with Ben Maller on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Champion and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only, Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. From football playoffs to basketball madness, TCL Roku TVs are the best way to stream your favorite live sports. With all the biggest sports channels, a sports zone with all available games in one place, and apps like iHeartRadio with sports podcasts such as The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Cheering on your favorite team has never been easier. A big screen TCL Roku TV offers premium picture and sound quality, so you'll feel like you're right in the action. Find the perfect TCL Roku TV for you today at Amazon.com. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. 
Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game winner ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my, my game. <laughs> you heard the man. Fox Sports Sunday rolls on. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. We'll take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern. And I want to remind you that Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. It's amazing because Discover is accepted at 99% of the places in the U.S. that take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report limitations apply. This past week, Netflix introduced a new documentary. They do such a fabulous job on so many subjects. This is one that might be a little bit more near and dear to my heart because I was there. I'm talking about the Malice at the Palace. November 19, 2004, a Friday night game between the Pistons and the Indiana Pacers. And everybody saw what took place on the floor, right? With 45 seconds to go and the Pacers up by 15, Ron Artest committed a very hard foul against uh, Ben Wallace, the, the, uh, the piston center, and Wallace retaliated by pushing Artest hard. Artest then ran over to the scores table and laid atop the scores table in order to, well, I don't know why he did it. He said later he just needed to gather his thoughts, He whatever. But then a knucklehead Pistons fan by the name of John Green, who became actually a damn near a household name in Detroit back in 2004, threw a cup uh, at Artest that had some beer in it, not full, and it hit our test. It was a miracle. It hit him. That that lit the fuse. That caused our test to charge into the stands. And the situation escalated into a, a full-scale brawl with fans and several Pacers taking part. Uh, Steven Jackson actually followed our test into the stands. And Jermaine O'Neal actually tried to throw a punch at a fan who came on the court. It was a miracle as his left plant foot slipped on probably some beer. Or this gentleman, I know his last name was Haddad. He might have killed the guy. I'm not being funny. Uh, and then uh, Jamal Tinsley, he picked up a long-handed dustpan in order to use as a weapon, even though he never actually used it. They finally had to call the game. The Pacers won, and the Pacers left the floor, and they were showered with beer and cups and you name it, bottles. And after, you know, and Ron Artest was suspended uh, the rest of the season without pay for his role and he would never play for the Pacers again. By the way, several of the players involved were suspended by David Stern, but the hardest hit was obviously Ron Artest. Uh, Steven Jackson got 30 games. Uh, Jermaine O'Neal got 25 games. Ben Wallace got six games. And even the pay a player for the Pacers by the name of Anthony Johnson got five games. And it's, it's still talked about to this day. So there are three aspects of this. I'm going to bring in the crew because the first aspect is what you saw on the floor. Then I'm going to get into the second aspect uh, and what led up to it, the backstory that people don't know. And then finally, the third aspect of that game that night that basically had to do 
with some decisions during the game that enabled this fuse to be lit that I really think could have been avoided. So let's start with the first one. Chris, you're a Detroit guy. I think you were probably living back there then when this game was played at the Palace of Auburn Hills. What was your knee-jerk reaction? Do you remember where you were? Uh, did you, were you watching the game live? And what was your biggest takeaway when you saw this melee? So I believe I was in high school because I remember this was the time the Pistons were, yeah, going for the championship to beat the Lakers in five. I don't remember seeing it live. I remember hearing about it. And I, I it, it's, it's something that I've kind of gone back and forth on as I've grown up. And I think what I come back to is this. On the Detroit side... I've heard other players and even coaches talk about it about how hard to place the malice of the pal. I mean, excuse me, the palace of Auburn Hills yeah. was to play at. The fan atmosphere, especially during playoff games and rivalry games, was very intense. It was very hostile, and it was garnered that for a purpose. And Detroit fans took pride in it. So I think that led to some of these elements that helped spark the powder keg. But also at the same time, Bernie. Consider the how the league was, the NBA was kind of portrayed in the media at the time. This was the time of Allen Iverson. This was the time of jailblazers and every other word where players in the NBA were seen as thugs. Right, as I don't criminals. think that's not, fair. Not fair. It was not fair at all. But that was the that was somehow that was the popular conception of the league so i think that combination there you had a fan base who felt like they made that place a hostile place to step into and a pop culture that had decided that these guys didn't deserve the dignity that they probably deserved probably set the stage for that powder keg to go off in the palace that night we're going to get to that in a minute couple things so this took place in november of 04 it was the year after the Pistons were defending their championship against the Lakers in what we called the five-game sweep. And so part of the reason Indiana was so mad, which I'm going to get to, to in a minute, was because the Pistons had knocked them out of the playoffs the year before, and that team had won 60 games. You are right about the Palace. I, I, w- I was there a million times, and one of the things noted should be noted is during that Pistons run – I believe they sold out 260 straight games at the Palace of Auburn Hills. The Pistons were a fixture in the playoffs, a fixture in the conference finals, and they went to the NBA finals in 04 and 05. I was with 97.1 CBS Radio then. We would do radio remotes there in the lobby. And to your point, Chris, about how strong that fan base was and how difficult it was to go there, when the Pistons made the finals in 2005, we did a remote from the Palace in game, uh, game six between the Pistons and the San Antonio Spurs, and there were 20,000 people there. What's the significance of that? That game was played in San Antonio, and now we're doing a remote from the Palace, and there's 20,000 people there, and they're watching it on TV. That's how rabid those fans were. They were incredible, and we were going to break about 10.45 when I just walked into the concourse, uh, into the lot, or checked that into the uh, you know area to watch the game. It was a miracle. Precisely that moment is when our test was fouling Ben Wallace, and I'm going to get to that in a minute. And so I saw it, uh, and I would just say this. My biggest takeaway that night, it was spontaneous combustion. Uh, people overreacted. Players in NBA are not thugs. I, by the way, I've met Jermaine O'Neal. If you if you watch the Netflix special, 
Jermaine O'Neal is a is a very polite, thoughtful guy, and I know that bothered him greatly. And it was a one shot deal. And I'm going to tell you what led up to it. You're not wrong, Chris. There were things that led up to it. Brian Finley, you have to remember the malice at the palace. Do you remember where you were and what your thoughts were when you saw the brawl on the floor? I think Bernie, we were so in, entrapped by what we were watching. It was almost a level of disbelief because we couldn't imagine something like this happening where players would be tempted to go into the seats where you feel as fans, oftentimes, and Bernie, like we've seen as the NBA came back this year, like fans have taken matters into their own hands at times. They've thrown stuff onto the court. They've hit players with things. And they feel like they're invincible. And I feel like that level of invincibility, invincibility with fans died on that night. Because now they are part of this game, and now they can't get away with, I don't think anymore, and I, hopefully we get to a point, but you can't get away with what they're getting away with. Dumping stuff on players, and the players not being able to say something about it, or the fans being able to come out of that without being any, any sort of discipline handed their way. Well, that's been talked about, that, that ticket a lot of fans thought that that ticket gave them the right to act out, and it does not give them the right to act out. The fans were very culpable. It was incredible. You know, Jermaine O'Neal once said, as bad as it looked on TV, it was even worse in person. And I'm here to tell you, it was even worse in person. Uh, Ricky Herrera, uh, is this something you want to talk about, comment on? Do you, or how aware are you of the malice at the palace, and, or did you see the Netflix uh, special? Uh, Bernie, I haven't seen the Netflix special yet, but like Chris, I, I was in high school and I do recall the Sports Center coverage of it because whatever I was watching on ESPN, I remember they broke into it and I remember Larry Brown with the microphone, I believe, getting trying to get the fans to stop. And still to this day, every time I see uh, a scuffle in the NBA, um, I I recall the malice in the palace because that basically changed the way the NBA approaches pretty much um, a player. <laughs> Everything changed after that is what I'm trying to say. Well, the bottom line is there's still we're still talking about this 16 years later. And one of the things people don't realize is there's a backstory. Rick Carlisle, the coach of the Pacers at that night, he was a very good coach. He, he since won an NBA championship, but he did it with the Dallas Mavericks. He had been unceremoniously fired by the Pistons and their owner, Bill Davidson, in the summer of 2003. And then he took the job with the Pacers. And that Pacers team, the one thing the Netflix special did a very good job on was going into great detail on how that Pacers team was built to win a championship with Reggie Miller and Ron Artest and Jermaine O'Neal and Jamal Tinsley. They had a tremendous team with a very good coach, and they'd won 61 games the year before. So when the Pacers locked horns with the Pistons in the playoffs in 2004 for the right to go to the NBA Finals, coached by Rick Carlisle, the Pacers were prohibitive favorites, but the Pistons stole that series. And I know Detroit fans and Indiana fans will remember one famous play where Tayshaun Prince made a great block from behind that kind of changed the series the Pistons then went on to beat the Lakers in five in 2004 the I believe to a man the Pacers were stewing all summer 
They were angry. They believed they were the better team. They probably were the better team, but they didn't win that series. And I think they carried a tremendous grudge. And they wanted to make a statement when they went into the Palace of Auburn Hills that night. They don't, they'd only played eight or nine games in the season at that point. I think the Pacers were like 7-2. and two. They were off to a good start again. The Pistons were defending champs. And from the jump, you could tell that the Pacers wanted to step on the Pistons' neck. They wanted that game badly. They got out to a lead. They kept the lead. And they held the lead all the way to the end. And this is where I think it starts to go sideways because I'm going to share some things that happened in the – well, let's put it this way. I'm going to share what I consider to be a landscape – that led to what happened in that game, which, you know, which then resulted in Ron Artest following Ben Wallace for no reason when the game had been decided. But there's a re- there's a bit of a backstory there. So remember, Rick Carlisle had been unceremoniously fired by the Pistons. He wanted to exact revenge for losing in the playoffs and getting back for being fired by the Pistons. This guy's a very good coach. He wins everywhere he goes. I think he's back. I think he's going back to Indiana, if I'm not mistaken. He's got a job there again. Anywhere he goes, he's going to win. But that particular playoff series was so highly charged and the Pistons were considered such an upstart team that I think Indiana Pacers fans and that team is still shocked to this day that the Pistons got them in the playoffs. And when you couple that with the fact that that was uh, Rick Carlisle's prior team and he'd been fired in a way that really maybe he was undeserving and there's another story there William Davidson didn't like his attitude allegedly he, the, the way he treated some people whatever it's so I, I can't let the segment you know go awry just talking about that but he had his reasons for being angry and what I'm going to do is share with you my amateur psychology and I contend that there was a bit of an unhealthy team culture there that Rick Carlisle fostered and couple that with the anger he had from the being let go by the Pistons and the fact they'd been upset by the Pistons in the playoffs that cost them that championship, which they believe was duly theirs, set the stage for something that in retrospect really didn't have to happen. And I'm going to cover that in a minute. Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. It's amazing because Discover is accepted at 99% of the places in the U.S. that take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations apply. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Keep it locked right here. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. We're back on Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. And we'll be here all the way up until 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern. We're talking about the malice at the palace. I was there and... I thought Netflix did a nice job, and it was talked about all this last week, so I really couldn't wait to get on the air this this weekend to give you my two cents. Uh, and I, good stuff by the crew, good observations, and it's sort of a bigger, larger picture at 30,000 feet. Let me reset this. 
And adding to the lunacy of that night, I bet you didn't know, or if you saw the Netflix special, you probably figured it out, but I'd known this for, known this for years. One of the referees on the floor that night was none other than Tim Donahue. If you don't know who Tim Donahue is, Google him. So to reset this, Ron Artest uh, fouls Ben Wallace with 45 seconds to go. They're up 97-82. Wallace smokes him. He pushes him. Uh, and then, you know, Artest flies around like a whirling dervish, proceeds to lie down on the scores table, then spontaneous combustion erupts because a flying beer cup with a little bit of beer in it lands on Artest and all hell breaks loose. Artest charges into the stands, punches the guy he thought had thrown the cup, but actually punches the wrong guy. And as lore has it, the reason the gentleman who threw the cup, his name was John Green, allegedly did so as part of a $50 bet. No, folks, you can't make this stuff up. Also adding to the lunacy of this story is, as luck would have it, Commissioner David Stern was actually watching the game on TV as all this was unfolding. And as Pacers center Jermaine O'Neal later said, as I mentioned earlier, as bad as it looked on TV, it was at least 20 times worse in person. Another thing that was something I was told, but they ended up sharing this on Netflix, so it didn't surprise me. When they got back to the locker room, Ron Artest actually asked teammate Steven Jackson if he thought, are we going to be in trouble? Jackson said, are you serious? Ron, we'll be lucky if we have a freaking job. And I guess it was just amazing to see the lack of awareness that Artest, who clearly apparently at the time, and he's admitted this wasn't really in his right mind. Then, of course, the following day, the NBA announced nine players would be suspended for a total of 146 games. It ruined the season for the Pacers. And they spiraled, they spiraled downward from there for years, years. And uh, I don't think they got to the playoffs again until like 2012. Now, Here's what I wanted to talk about that I mentioned before going to break, okay? It's against the law to practice psychology without a license. But I contend that there was a bit of an unhealthy team culture that had been fostered by the Indiana Pacers leadership. And they let they let sort of their future hang in the balance because they were so focused on settling a past score. That score was that the Pistons had eliminated the Pacers a few months before in the NBA playoffs in the Eastern Conference Finals. And again, Rick Carlisle, who'd done a very nice job with the Pistons, was unceremoniously removed from his job. He ends up in Indiana, so it's a double whammy. But I'd like to share some things with you. Let me just ask you a couple things, okay? So Rick Carlisle, who was the coach of the Pacers that night, it's my understanding he had he was on he had said he had viewed this upcoming matchup on November 19, 2004, between the Pacers and the Pistons as quote a statement game. He wanted to prove that the Pacers were better, they were stronger, and that the road to the repeat would have to go through Indianapolis. That meant if the Pistons had designs of winning a championship, they would have to beat the Pacers again. So here's a question I'd like to ask you. Think about this. Just work with me for a second here. It was Carlisle's decision to keep the players in fighting powder keg mode when the victory was completely in the, in the cookie jar, as it were, as Chick Hearn used to say in the refrigerator. They were up 15 points with 45 seconds left. Why, why were the starters still on the floor? It created a scenario where both sides wanted to damage the other side all in the name of making a statement because the game was a little chippy and the Pistons were frustrated as well because they were getting embarrassed on their home floor. I mean, the crowd was amped that night. It was incredible. 
And everybody knew that this game was going to be a signature game one way or the other. And I would just say this, that the anticipation of that was like a playoff game, but it was it was a revenge game. Then it was Jamal Tinsley's decision to remind Ron Artest that there was still, quote, time to repay a debt of a hard foul committed from the previous season. There was still time for Artest to get back at Ben Wallace. Now, Artest, did he really have to do that? Ben Wallace is going in for a layup that was basically uncontested. Matter of fact, if you watch Steven Jackson, he didn't even guard him. He just let him go by. It's a smart thing to do. There was 45 seconds left of the game. They are up by 15. It's over. Why take a chance on something stupid happening? Well, it did. It, so then it was Ron Artest's decision to continue to play with fire. And instead of simply moving on and taking the victory, he decided he was going to get even. He was going to foul Ben Wallace hard, and he did. And Wallace was already a little ticked off that night about the way the game had been going and the way not only not only was Indiana winning, they were embarrassing the champs, right? So after Wallace had gotten to the basket and converted an easy layup, Artest shoves Wallace basically on his way to the ground, but Wallace did not, in fact, fall. He just stumbled. He then pushed our tests, and that ignited what should have been basically a little scuffle, which should have just ended right there, should have just been done right there. But instead, the emotions by both teams that frankly had been held inside for an entire summer, that is when it broke loose. That created the night that is, in fact, the ugliest night in the history of probably the NBA, certainly of the Indiana Pacers, and they called it the malice in the palace for a reason. And for the record, since then, the Indiana Pacers, frankly, have never recovered. In my opinion, they've never won an NBA championship. Spontaneous combustion. So you, you had three elements here. And maybe it wasn't as much spontaneous combustion as you think. You had that night where it was a hard, hotly contested game a highly anticipated game, an amped-up home crowd. They wanted to step on Indiana's neck. Indiana wasn't having it. They came in. They were making shots. They were flying up and down the floor. They were playing hard. The NBA was officiated much different then. The things you could do then you can't do now. The game didn't resemble what it does now. So the final score was 97-82. Look at some of the scores, by the way, of that playoff series. I think the game the Pistons clinched was like, 72-65, something like that. The playoffs here, you know, a few months before, maybe I've Chris looked that up or something. So that's number one. Number two, again, you've got the backstory where Rick Carlisle leaves the Pistons in an embarrassing fashion, in an unceremonious fashion. He's let go in 03. He goes to Indiana, builds a great team there. Larry Brown takes over, wins the championship. But not only does he win it, he beats Rick Carlisle and the Indiana Pacers, a team who'd won 61 games on their way to winning the championship in 04. The Pistons go to defend that championship, and here's where, you know, element three comes in. Carlisle said it was going to be a statement game. He wanted to go in there and flex their muscle, which they did. It was his desire to keep the players on the floor late in the game, which you didn't have to do, which didn't seem to make a lot of sense. Jamal Tinsley and Ron Artest had apparently talked about this before, that Artest had been fouled hard in a game the prior year by Ben Wallace, and he wanted to exact his revenge. At the end of the day, again, it's an incident 
in the annals of the NBA and the Pacers and the Pistons, which apparently is never going to be forgotten, it's still fresh in people's minds, why else would Netflix release what I consider to be a pretty good documentary 15 years, 16 years after the fact, check that, almost 17 years after the fact, and it still seems as relevant now as it was then, even though it seemed like a lifetime ago. Coming up, who said it? Why are you filming me? You know, the road to self-awareness, well, it's an activist pursuit. It's obvious why you're filming you, you knucklehead. We'll talk about it in just a second. But first, let's go to the man who likes to remind us when the small clears in Southern California, UC, L.A. Oh, Bernie, I love it. Well done, sir. And a football season is on the horizon for the Bruins. So you're saying to yourself, how is... The di- how are the Diamondbacks leading this update at 1.30 a.m. Pacific time? And it's because, yeah, despite the fact they're 42 games under 500, they are 37 and a half games out of first place in the NL West. They had a no-hitter with Tyler Gilbert on the mound, and even more special considering that it was his debut in the majors, and it led to an Arizona 7 to nothing victory against the Padres. Yeah, we had a heavy... NFL exhibition game late in Saturday with a frenzy of contests and not a lot of week one starting quarterbacks playing in these games, by the way. The likes of Nathan Peterman getting all the snaps for the Raiders. He threw for 246 yards and an interception as Las Vegas clotheslines the Seahawks 20-7. 49ers prized 2021 draft pick, third overall selection, Trey Lance. He did have an 80-yard touchdown pass. And he called that, quote, kind of the moment you dream of scoring your first touchdown, close quote. Lance, though, did finish just 5 of 14 through the air for 128 yards. The Niners lost this game to the Chiefs, 19 to 16. Jordan Love made his NFL debut, did not play in 2020. And, of course, there was no preseason in 2020 either. And what does he do for the Packers? Well, he went three and out on his first two drives. And then the former Packers first rounder went 12 of 17 passing 122 yards through the air. He did have one touchdown and said he got into some personal rhythm out there, despite the fact that Green Bay fell to the Texans 26 to 7. Zach Wilson did get some playing time for the Jets, 6 of 9 through the air. No interceptions, no touchdowns, and the Jets leave it up to them to score 12 points in a game and win 12-7 to seven against the Giants. And finally, the Chargers with a 13-6 to six win over the Rams. SoFi Stadium was on display the first time, Bernie, that the fans got to pile in there. And we've seen some videos, Bernie. You might have seen this on social media, but some Rams fans have been trying to deck each other in the seats. There are a bunch of these viral videos going out there of Rams fans during this game last night starting fights with each other in the bleachers and guys landing punches and wasn't a pretty scene. I know though if Bernie Fratto was in a fight, 
it wouldn't last long because he has that killer knockout punch as we send it back to Bernie in Vegas. By the way, uh, Ron Artest wasn't there, was he? <laughs> no, yes. And I think he does I, live I, in L.A. But I, I'm happy the uh, Jets uh, won 12-7. to That's all they need. You know, the Super Bowl three, they, they won 16-7. to And you know their motto going into last night's game, Brian? What's win, that? One, win one for Jason Smith. <laughs> Bernie, if you were to close your eyes and say to yourself, okay, there's a team in the NFL that scored 12 points, don't you think the Jets would be the first thing that would come to your mind? That's what I think, at least. Leave it uh, to the Jets to score 12 points in a game, let alone it being well, a preseason with, with, with a wink and the nod to the Lions, too. You know, you oh, gotta, that's true. Yeah. Yes, Chris But, but uh, Are you working uh, Jason's show this week? Yeah, so Tuesday and Wednesday. Good. One of my favorites, Jason and Mike, uh, from uh, 8 to 11. Check that, 7 to 11, Monday through Friday Pacific. And you'll just have to let them know this week, Brian, <laughs> that uh, the motto was win one, for Jason Smith. I'll tell you what, guys. I'm going to throw a curveball here. So, Ricky, uh, Chris, and Brian, let's see who can get this. We're going to play a rousing edition of What My Name. What My Name. Okay? I'm only one of six quarterbacks in the NFL who's had three straight winning seasons. My career record, 29 and 21. I've got a 64% completion percentage. And in my career, I've thrown 64 touchdown passes and only 37 interceptions. These are the rules. When I call your name, I give you a five count and try to make a guess. My man, Chris Perfett, the pride of Detroit. You're up. Five, uh, four, geez. three, uh, yeah, two, Wilson. one. Uh, not a bad guess. I'm sorry. Brian Finley, five. Four. Achilles three, Smith. Two. <laughs> I don't think that would have been correct. You get you don't even get the home version of the game. <laughs> okay, uh that's a buzzer, by the way. Uh no extra charge for sound effects. All right, Ricky Herrera. Five. Lamar four. Jackson. It's okay, guys. I don't even think uh God could have got this one. So let me reiterate, I'm the I'm only one of six quarterbacks, three straight winning seasons, six quarterbacks in the current NFL rosters, three straight winning seasons. I've got a career record of 29 and 21. I completed 64% of my passes. I've thrown 64 touchdown passes and against only 37 interceptions. It is, wait for it, Mitch Trubisky. Mitch Trubisky. This thing on? Hello? You. Mitch, Mitch Trubisky. All right. All right. I thought I'd get a little bit of a rise out of the <laughs> peanut gallery on that one. Maybe not. All right. Maybe we, we, you know, we might even be back later with, with, with another rising edition of What My Name. All right. Deshaun Watson the other day finally talked, but all he did was look at the, look at the media in his mean face and say, what do you guys keep filming me? It's the same. I can't say down the air every day. Gee. What could possibly be the reason they're filming you? Why? You think? And by the way, I am not even going down the road of human trafficking or anything tonight. I want to let this play out. But let me see if I've got this straight. Deshaun Watson says he never wants to play for the Texans again, but he's in camp so he can avoid the fines. He doesn't want to practice, but he's working out and taking snaps. The NFL doesn't know what to do because, frankly, although they could suspend him based on 
conduct detrimental to the league based on their personal conduct policy or put him on the commissioner's exempt list in which he'd be not be allowed to play although he's already said he doesn't want to play and in this instance he would actually be paid his full salary to not play if you followed all that you're better than me but from the outside looking in it seems goodell and his cronies simply don't have enough true evidence to know what to do in either direction and yes there are investigations underway criminal and civil But Watson's accusers, they won't even be deposed for another month. And Deshaun Watson himself won't even be giving a deposition until February of 2022. This isn't going anywhere anytime soon. I know the the Texans now want to trade Watson for now, but they haven't gotten any offer that they're willing to accept. I understand the Eagles, not the Eagles with Glenn Frey, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, maybe Glenn Frey is interested too, but he hasn't made any offers. The Dolphins, they're no longer interested from what I understand. The Broncos acted like they were interested, but I tell you what, I don't know whether they'd mess with that. This is going to carry on for a while. That's why they're filming you, Deshaun. And I've actually got a lot more on this subject, which maybe I'll break into next week. But after that rousing edition of What My Name, how do you follow that up? By the way, thanks to Mackenzie Rivers for looking up the score. It was 69-65. The score I'm referring to, that was when the Pistons closed out the Indiana Pacers back in the Eastern Conference Finals in uh, game, I believe it was game six uh, of in, in 2004, which put the Pistons in the finals, which set the stage for the mouse at the palace. Yes, that was the final score, 69-65. These days, 69-65 could be a halftime score, especially if it's a game involving the Washington Wizards and, and Russell Westbrook. But I digress. Coming up. We bring you back out to Las Vegas. You know him, you love him, can't leave without him. It's Mackin' on Sports with Mackenzie Rivers. We've got some more quarterback stuff because that's kind of the theme right now. Quarterback, 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 because there's so many new ones with such high expectations. We're going to chop it up. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studio. Stick and stay. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only, Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! 
and even checkouts not until four so because the american express platinum card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants elevated experiences at live events and 4 p.m late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through amex travel that's the powerful backing of american express see how to elevate your experiences at americanexpresscom express.com with amex terms apply from football playoffs to basketball madness TCL Roku TVs are the best way to stream your favorite live sports. With all the biggest sports channels, a sports zone with all available games in one place, and apps like iHeartRadio with sports podcasts such as The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Cheering on your favorite team has never been easier. A big screen TCL Roku TV offers premium picture and sound quality, so you'll feel like you're right in the action. Find the perfect TCL Roku TV for you today at Amazon.com. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? My first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my That's my dance, <laughs> We are back on Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern, and let's bring you back out to Las Vegas. You know them, you love them, you can't live without them. We go back to McKenzie Rivers and Mackinac Sports. You know, there were a couple of other quarterbacks that played tonight, and one who had a second MRI that... We might want to take a look now at a certain prop bet, McKenzie. So let's yes, begin with New Orleans because I think they've got a real issue at quarterback there. Well, when you have two quarterbacks, they say you have none. Right. I'm sure veteran of the industry, you've heard that, Bernie. I thought the most important point or most important play of the game, rather, was just a very simple out route by Taysom Hill. He threw an interception. He just kind of left it a little short, a little wobbly. I think if I'm Sean Payton, I know everything that Taysom Hill brings to the table, I can get yards and interceptions with Winston. If I'm picking Hill, it's because I think the turnover factor is significantly reduced with that kind of playing style. I think if he turns the ball over once or twice, it's going to be a wrap. Winston's already minus 200 about to be the starter. It's been about that all summer, but I think that's the reason why Winston, not Hill, is going to be the starter week one. Be interesting to see when they hand him the keys of the car if he can keep it, only because I cannot unsee what I saw in Tampa Bay. No he doubt. not only threw 30, touch, uh, 30 interceptions, six were the first drive of the game. That's a killer. Six were when they were winning in the fourth quarter. That's a killer. And six were pick sixes. So, I mean, that's that's a seven and nine team that 
which could have been a ten and six team had he not botched it. Uh, Dak Prescott. Yeah, we learned we learned they were one super we were one Super Bowl quarterback, one non turnover quarterback away from the Super Bowl. So definitely, oh, to your I point, think Barney. I think that's fair. And, and yeah. I don't recall anybody last year at this time saying, "Oh boy, they get Gronk and they get uh, uh, you know Antonio Brown." Nobody was raving about those guys. Uh, you know, people I respect uh, that I've known a long time, no names, uh, Rob Parker. He mentioned they'd win six games last year. So what, no one's talking about them having a stacked roster till now. But let, let's move on. Right. So, uh, by the way, uh, Mac Jones, we kind of somehow neatly ignored him. I thought he looked very good, McKenzie, in his debut because he recognizes what he sees. He may not – and here's a trivia question for you. You know he ran a faster 40 time than Patrick Mahomes, but that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> I did. The, the yeah. long and the short of it is he looks like a guy who can operate an NFL offense. And I also thought Jordan Love showed some flashes tonight. Your thoughts – on those two guys and how it might play into perhaps finding an angle in the wagering world. I have vastly different thoughts on those two performances. I thought Mac Jones might have been the rookie. You know, we talked about Lawrence, really good. Lance, really good, you know, at moments. Mac Jones, 80 PFF grade. That was fourth among all rookies so far this preseason. And Belichick trusted him. We saw him do the two-minute drill at the beginning of the half. We saw him uh, take a third and long when he didn't have to. We saw him keep the starting offensive line in the game throughout Jones' time in the preseason. That's a lot of confidence. I think, although he probably, you know, I'd say he only has a 20% chance to be the week one Jones does, I think by week five, he's very yeah. live to be out be out there. Week five is where I got him. I think you got to start Cam week one. You got to. But, but now, to your point, it's trending. Go ahead. Jordan Love, the numbers were okay. 12 for 17, he threw for a touchdown pass. I thought he was horrendous. I thought he was terrible. He had no rushing yards. All right. Aaron Rodgers, he brings a certain element to the game as far as scrambling. Jordan Love was supposed to be that plus some. I didn't see any of that. And yeah, okay, maybe you want to keep him a little safe in the preseason. But they weren't. They were keeping him. They were rolling him out. They were having him do drops where the opportunities were there. They clearly wanted to score points. They kept him out the entire first half. And the strip sack at the end of the first half, I thought, was emblematic of his whole game. He was very tentative. He didn't move. He didn't feel the pressure. He didn't seem to have that instinct that we saw from Trey Lance earlier. I mean, later on in the night, ah, big question marks, huge question marks. Now, I have egg on my face. I had Packers minus three. I put it out on Twitter, at Mackin Rivers. I'm 7-4 and four on my NFL plays so far this year, above 55% the last two years. It's all free. Check it out on my Twitter, at Mackin Rivers. But I got smashed, and we did have a crossfire. R.J. Bell was on one side. He had the Texans. Me and A.J. Hoffman had the Packers, and we got smashed. But we learned from our mistakes, Bernie. Jordan Love is not the guy I thought he was, and I think the Packers know it. You look at Matt Lafleur's face throughout the first half; it was it was telling, Bernie. He's he's petrified of what happens next year. All the more reason I think the Packers need to find a way to keep Aaron Rodgers. Don't make this a stupid last dance, real life takeoff of the Bulls deal. Lock him up for two or three more years, and I'm going to give some specific reasons at the top of the hour why and some ideas what Green Bay can do to do that. Talk about question marks, McKenzie. Dak Prescott had a second MRI, and I understand it, it's not great. This poor guy, he's not only a good quarterback, he's likable. If he didn't have bad luck, he wouldn't have any luck. But the over-under, I don't know if it's still on the board for his passing yards, is 4,700. How the hell do you bet that over? 
I don't know, Bernie. Probably if you live in Dallas and if you like the Cowboys, you think, hey, what do I want to root for? A lot of times people associate the feeling of rooting for a bet with what they want to bet on. That's often a mistake if your interest is profitability. I love the under 4,700 yards. I know there's right. an extra game. I'm figuring, I'm calculating that. I'm not that. You know, you know. You better get on it now. I can't imagine it stays it's going to be board. dropping, Bernie. He, the, we see the line in week one. Question marks about his health. This is the thing, Mike McCarthy. We tossed this around the pregame offices. Has there ever been a stellar quarterback with a below 500 record? Drew Brees did it twice, seven and nine, just below 500. Mike McCarthy had Aaron Rodgers in his prime. Went seven, eight and one one year. Went six, nine and one one year. I know Aaron Rodgers had a few different ailments. I'm not a believer. I think he's been average to below average for a decade, and he had the best quarterback going at the moment to keep him alive in this industry. But I don't see it. I don't see that offense being very great. I know they were number two when Jason Garrett was at the helm in 2019 in the entire NFL. I don't think they're a top 10 offense, and you're going to need to be to get 4,700 yards, Bernie. If he gets hurt for one game, that's almost a guaranteed cash. Even if he doesn't, I like the under. There are a couple of other issues, and I think we had to talk about this an hour from now. The Cowboys' big issue is their defense. That defense last year couldn't stop a parade. Now, three weeks from – good stuff, McKenzie. Let's pick this up in an hour because one of the things I want to talk about is I believe the line week one is – well, first of all, Dallas plays Tampa Bay week one, and I believe the line was six and a half. That's a Thursday night game. Can you believe it? Three weeks from next Thursday, we will have an NFL game, Dallas-Tampa Bay, Dallas catching six and a half. But because that quarterback position is so unsettled there, I really wonder where that line goes. We'll talk about that. I mean, my goodness, they can't go with Ben DiNucci again. I still haven't figured out, is he Ben DiNucci or is he Don Finucci from The Godfather? Either way, it's a bad situation. All right, coming up, I'm going to talk about Aaron Rodgers, another quarterback, and Packers, Take care of this now while you still can. I will explain. I'm Bernie Fratto, coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Stick and stay. This is Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. You heard the man. Fox Sports Sunday rolls on as we continue Two down, one to go. We'll take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern. I'm Bernie Frattle coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. I want to remind you that Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. It's amazing because Discover is accepted at 99% of the places in the U.S. to take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report, limitations apply the theme has been quarterbacks tonight and for good reason because high draft choices guys you know trying to make a team position battles but we've sort of buried the lead on what i consider to be the most important quarterback in the entire national football league he was in the news for all the wrong reasons i know i'm not talking about deshaun watson i'm talking about aaron Rodgers. When you consider the off-field diatribe they had and how many thought he would never be in Green Bay again, I never once believed that. But now that he's back, okay, this is my memo to the Green Bay Packers if you are or, or Packers fans. 
You know what life could look like without Aaron Rodgers. McKenzie talked about that, how Jordan Love looked, and it was only an exhibition game against guys who, you know, are going to be working at FedEx in a couple months. Nothing wrong with that. Good Christian values, good work, but it's not National Football League caliber. So, Green Bay, why you've got Aaron Rodgers there? Don't make this a stupid last dance scenario. We don't need to relive what happened with the Bulls, all right? And Jerry Krause isn't even around anymore to tell us why he couldn't have maybe kept that team together one more season. Maybe they should have. I think they wanted to. Be that as it may, I think you've got a real opportunity to not win with Aaron Rodgers this year, not just win with Aaron Rodgers this year, but to keep him in the fold for another two or three years. Here's how. Because First of all, let's acknowledge this. From all accounts, Aaron Rodgers has looked spectacular in, in camp. He's effortless. He's extremely impressive. He drops dimes all over the field. He's superbly accurate. He, he's even got a flair for style. This is a guy who makes the game look easy. Now, does Green Bay really want this to be a one-night stand? Do they really want to wave goodbye to this guy next February and start over again? The future wouldn't be pretty. No, they don't. You know they don't. And I think the Packers brass needs to be proactive. They need to make some definitive moves to get him to stay now. Now, here are some ideas I would put in the suggestion box. Do they still do that? Well, maybe they should bring it back. It's a suggestion box. A good start in talking to Rodgers about personnel is giving him more control on who he'll be throwing to this next season. Not just this season, but next season. So, here's what you do. Don't wait around. Resign Devontae Adams now. Resign Robert Tanyan. Resign other Rodgers targets. The Packers brought back Randall Cobb in a trade with the Texans. That gives that gave Rodgers a slot receiver he wanted again, right? I think Randall Cobb will still play a role this year. He's versatile. He'll be mentoring other players. He'll be mentoring a rookie by the name of Amari Rodgers, no relation. And it was kind of a welcome development uh, with Aaron Rodgers and a nice addition to the Packers receiving core. Okay, people can make fun of it, his age, whatever. The guy's 30. Shut up. Come on, man. Let's see how this plays out. They left about Gronk last year going to Tampa Bay. How'd that work out? But it's not enough. Okay, it's a welcome development, but it's not enough. And Aaron Rodgers, I think, has recently admitted he was still upset about the team deciding to cut Jake Kumaro, who he thought was going to be the number two receiver in camp behind uh, Adams last year. So... The Packers, including Cobb and Adams, well, they have a decent death chart at the position with actually a total of nine players in the camp capable of making the roster. So he's got targets. Uh, and I think that the Packers need to accommodate Aaron Rodgers. One no-brainer is resigning Devontae Adams because you know, over the years, Aaron Rodgers has operated best when he has a variety of targets that he trusts most. And, you know, the, the front office led by GM Brian Gutekunst, who claims, oh, we've always listened to Aaron. Well, here's your chance. He needs to trust Rodgers more in figuring out how to keep maximizing his right arm with players like Devontae Adams. Adams is a pending free agent. Sign him to a, long, a, a, a lucrative long-term deal as soon as possible. All right? That's a no-brainer. The second guy who needs to be locked up is the breakout guy from last year, the tight end, Robert Tanya. Especially with a gentleman, uh, you may have heard of Jay Sternberger, right? He's a promising player. He's, you know, got a two-game suspension looming. And many of the other receivers in camp, they have expiring contracts uh, too. Uh, Marquise Valdez-Scanling, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. Alan Lazard, he'll be a restricted free agent. 
Equinemius St. Brown, and David Funchance, there are two more unrestricted free agents. Then you've got Malik Taylor, uh, Reggie Begleton, and Juwan Winfrey. There will be exclusive rights free agents. So you can't have the cupboard be bare next year for Aaron Rodgers. Start taking care of these guys now. Before he's expecting it. You know, it's like when you go to a restaurant and they fill your water glass before you ask. That's all you got to do. Take care of this guy. The second thing you got to do, I've made, I've made my decision. Just trade Jordan Love, okay? The ill-fated decision to select him 26 overall uh, back in 2020 where Rodgers was still playing at a high level and in his prime, that really set the fu- that lit the fuse, and that's what created a lot of Rodgers' frustration. That's what put this whole thing in motion. He's still elite. You can say he's aging, but no quarterback wants to see his replacement drafted without at least knowing about it. So it's bad enough that they drafted him. It's bad enough it doesn't look like he might be able to play, and it's bad enough that they didn't even talk to Aaron Rodgers. They're just you don't do business that way. As long as Love is you know Jordan Love is looming on the roster, he's still a threat to be the Packers' preferred path at quarterback starting in 2022. Now Aaron Rodgers is smart enough to know the Packers need to see what they have in Jordan Love. It, it, you know he's in, he's going to be in the third year of his rookie contract, and the, pa- the Packers have always been really salary cap centric, and and I think you know they would have to really be willing to trade. Uh, not take a, get a lot back for Jordan Love to get rid of him. So I don't think – let me try that again in English. To move Jordan Love, I think they have to come to the conclusion that they're not going to get a lot back. So so what? Make, you know, let's end this mistake. I realize the Packers have not really considered dealing Love, but if you really want Aaron Rodgers back, this would be a massive, symbolic second step. It doesn't need to happen tomorrow. I mean, but I would say that by midseason – do it, okay? Remember, the Patriots made a mega deal with the 49ers at midseason at that trade deadline to move Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, you know, to the 49ers to appease Tom Brady. And what? They've won a couple Super Bowls since then, right? So November 2nd rolls around. That's the trade deadline. There could be teams out there that have quarterback uncertainty ranging from maybe not the Broncos because Drew Locke looked pretty good tonight, I think. But let's say it is the Broncos, maybe the Steelers, maybe anybody. I don't know. They find love. Maybe some team out there will see love as a cheap option with someone who might have a high upside if you are so inclined. The third thing you got to do is give Aaron Rodgers the exact type of contract extension he wants. Rodgers has said multiple times his concern isn't about the money. Well, he's made $252 million in his career, and he's appreciative of how much he has made in his 17-year career. So the issue, issue isn't how much he's being paid, but how he's being paid. So there's no question he wants a Patrick Mahomes-like deal with big guarantees and security through his best remaining years. And I would say, you know, if you look at how well Rodgers played at age 36 last year in 2020, I don't think there's any reason to believe he can't play another two or three years if his mind is in the right, you know, frame and the fire keeps burning in him to compete. I believe Rodgers will have the physical tools and if properly motivated, he'll make the commitment to staying in shape to give him maybe some people think could be up to five more seasons, right? So the Packers, you know, they like to give these team-friendly deals that give them all the favorable finances, which is why they're so good at the salary cap. But this is one time to not be cheap. Take care, Rodgers. Brian Gutekunst, he needs to make 
his relationship with Aaron Rodgers more personal. He may he has to suck it up and swallow his pride and just be nicer to him. And the best thing Green Bay could do this year, of course, is break through and get to a Super Bowl or win one with Matt LaFleur. I really believe, I mean, Rodgers won the Super Bowl MVP in Super Bowl 45 back in 2010. The Packers haven't played in the Super Bowl since. It's not easy to get there. And that's with Aaron Rodgers. And that's when you're 26 and 6 in the last two seasons. So I think if this is a one and done, Green Bay will really regret it. And to a degree, I think Aaron Rodgers will regret it. So with just a little bit of foresight and a little bit of proactive planning and some definitive moves and demonstrative moves, signing with the receivers, getting Rodgers involved on who he wants to bring in. I'm even hearing rumors they want to bring Clay Matthews back. Whatever it takes, I am telling you, if Aaron Rodgers is pulling out of Green Bay next February somewhere else, they will regret it. Mark my words. Hopefully, that doesn't happen because Rodgers is one guy I would like to see finish his career in Green Bay, and I think it's just better. It's like the Yankees in baseball or the Celtics and Lakers in basketball, whatever, the Raiders in football. When Green Bay is better, and they got great fans there, by the way, when Green Bay is better, it's just better for the National Football League. I think the storylines would continue. It would be a lot of fun to see watching Green Bay and San Francisco and Tampa Bay and some of these other teams, certainly Kansas City. You throw them into the mix with their star quarterbacks battling out over the next three, four, five years, not just this year. If Rodgers leaves Green Bay, trust me, there will be regrets all the way around. All right, I don't know if you've been watching Hard Knocks. There's only been one episode, but so far, uh, I'm underwhelmed, and I'll explain why coming up. Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. It's amazing because Discover is accepted at 99% of the places in the U.S. that take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report limitations apply. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Keep it locked right here. Don't go away. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only, Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. 
That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. From football playoffs to basketball madness, TCL Roku TVs are the best way to stream your favorite live sports. With all the biggest sports channels, a sports zone with all available games in one place, and apps like iHeartRadio with sports podcasts such as The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Cheering on your favorite team has never been easier. A big screen TCL Roku TV offers premium picture and sound quality, so you'll feel like you're right in the action. Find the perfect TCL Roku TV for you today at Amazon.com. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my, my game. <laughs> We're back on Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. I want to remind you, are you tired of waiting around for hot water, choose Navian and get instant hot water for spa-like comfort while you lower your bills. Save hundreds on a Navian tankless water heater with local rebates at tanklessmadesimple.com. Well, we've begun another season of hard knocks. And I will tell you, so far I am underwhelmed. I realize there's only been one episode. Uh, I've never really been a Cowboy fan. Cowboys fan. I don't root against them, but I don't root for them either. I had high hopes that that this would at least get off to a good start. Uh, Again, I look at Mike McCarthy. All due respect, nothing nothing against Mike McCarthy. But, you know, when he starts dropping the Charlie F around to look cool in Harry High School, first of all, when he says Harry's High School, it conjures up images of Marty Morningweg who was the head coach of the Lions from 01 to 03 before Mariucci came in. And he used to talk about that in postgames. Harry High, we're making Harry High School mistakes out there. When I hear that, it, it sends shivers up my spine. When I, look at, when I look at Mike McCarthy, with all due respect, you know, if we're casting uh, the Fred Flintstone movie and he's going to be Barney Rubble, I'm all in. I can see that. But I, I don't think this guy, I don't like the beard either. They're just not, I'm sure he's a decent guy. Comes from a great, you know, football factory, you know, area of the country, Pittsburgh. I'm just not feeling it with this guy. He's boring to me. And so far, the first episode to me lacked juice. I I don't really care that Zeke can't rap a present. I can't rap one either. I'm not on hard knocks. Big deal. Uh, I feel badly for Dak. You see why Dak is so likable, but, you know, he's a little boring too. And sometimes I really wonder, at this point, is this played? Is is Hard Knocks still relevant? Is it necessary? Because this really has to start to pick up. 
All right, a few years ago when the Houston Texans did it, you had Bill Bryan dropping F-bombs. But you had Brian Cushing. He was a whack job. I mean, there was there was some stuff. There were some conversations. Dallas, I've yet to be sort of impressed. And and one thing, before I turn it over to the crew, I want to I want to hear what the guys have to say about this because I know they they I'm sure they're watching Hard Knocks as well. The perhaps the most talked about, uh, you know, incident as it were. It's not an incident, but was Jerry Jones sitting at his desk on the phone, and he's got a McGriddle and a wrapper there to his right, and it's it's just sitting there, and all of a sudden he hangs up the phone. He tells the guy, I got to let you run now, let you get back to work. Translation, I'm hungry, I want to eat my McGriddle. He takes it out of the wrapper and he salts it. And everybody just got the biggest kick out of that because I didn't really know you needed to add salt to McDonald's food. Tastes fine the way it is, seems like it's got plenty of salt. For all I know, Jerry Jones just likes salt. Maybe he's got a salt lick in his backyard next to the horses. But what cracked me up was that he salted it on the side of the McGriddle. He didn't even take the top off to salt it, uh, you know, whatever's inside a McGriddle. I don't think I've had one. I've had a McMuffins, but not in a griddle. McGriddles. He didn't take off the bun or what, the waffle or whatever the hell it is. He salted it from the side. I thought that was odd. And then the other thing, too, is... I'm just trying to picture this. Did he send someone to McDonald's to pick it up? And it's sitting there. It's just sitting there for seemingly a long time. And I remember leading up to the scene, is he going to eat that thing? Is that a prop? What's he going to do? And then when he salts it, the Western Hemisphere loses their mind about salting a McGriddle. And Jerry's, what, 78 years old? Regardless, that was the highlight of Hard Knocks. And if that's the highlight of Hard Knocks, I do not have faith that this is going to get much better as the season goes. However, I will keep an open mind. Let's bring in the crew. Chris, what do you think of this iteration of Hard Knocks and maybe some of the observations I've made or your, just your overall general thoughts of the Dallas Cowboys? So, f- full disclosure, this is my first year with HBO as a, as a service, so this will be my first experience with Hard Knocks. But I don't feel like watching this, and it's because it is the <laughs> Dallas Cowboys. I am Bernie. It, it's like it's like listening to people talk about New York sports. It is overdone. It is fed up. People assume people who are not Cowboys fans have more interest in Cowboys fans than we actually do. I'm tired of the Cowboys being shoved down my throat. I'm tired of Jerry Jones being shoved down my throat. As a sports fan, I know they're supposed to be important, but I feel like they're supposed to be important because the national media tells us that they're supposed to be important. I don't care about these people. I don't. I'm tired and sick and tired of having the Cowboys shoved down my throat. And so I'm not going to watch hard knocks about the Cowboys because I just, I, I don't don't want in my life. I'm overloaded. I'm always have to hear every year about why I need to pay attention to this team, and then every year they disappoint and show you that they're irrelevant. I I'm done with. The, I don't want to deal with the Cowboys. Any other team, any other team. I'm begging you, except for the Jets. The Jets shove down your throat as well. You might be uh, interested to know that this is their third go around on Hard Knocks. Oh, I think I in 2009. Well, the, in the previous two times, the Cowboys didn't even make the playoffs. So I don't know if that's a portent to what's going to happen this year. It's not looking good out of the gate, but 
you know, let's let it play out. And of course, we are referring to America's team here, Chris. I'm, I'm guessing you don't like that shift on your. I don't either. like that either. I think that's a very pretentious title. And yeah, if you want to be pretentious and swag it around, but also realize that that pretentious also turns a lot of people who are not Cowboys fans off. There's a lot of sports fans out there who see that term out there, and they don't see that as a good thing. They see it as arrogance, and they don't want to deal with a team yep. that has unearned arrogance. They're not the Yankees out here. The Yankees at least won something. Well, you're, you're not wrong. They're living in the past. They haven't won a Super Bowl in 26 years, and I think they've only won one playoff game in that interim. against Actually, it was against our Lions back in 2015, but I digress. Uh, Brian Finley, what are your thoughts? Are you watching Hard Knocks? You know, Bernie, I am not. I, I know I should, but I, I feel like we get enough of the craziness of what is going on with the Cowboys without having to watch this. It's, it's, it's just this rodeo that is like traveling around the country. That is what the Cowboys are, and I feel like that we get the the characters and and what Jerry Jones plays and he he's sort of like the the clown and he plays that I don't need to go and watch Hard Docs to know that this is a guy who who had somebody wipe his glasses for him and <laughs> wait, so you knew about that yeah yes. well wait a minute hold on a second yeah. because I'm gonna go before I get to Ricky I'm gonna go back to both you and Chris it kind of brings a it kind of begs the question to a larger issue. Is the Hard Knocks franchise played out? I mean, do they really need it anymore? If you guys aren't watching it, and that's fair. That's part of our discussion here. Uh, Chris, do, they, do we need Hard Knocks anymore? No, I think it's still it's still fun to do it because I remember when we had the Rams on a few years ago or even the Falcons. That oh, Jeff was Fisher, fine. yeah. It's just... Look, it's to, to make a pro wrestling analogy, it's like someone that Vince McMahon is trying to tell you is important. It's like Roman Reigns for any WWE fan out there. This guy is not something, the Cowboys are not something a lot of people are interested in, and yet repeatedly we are told we have to be interested in it. And it's just, I'm at a petulant point now where it's just like, I don't care that you're telling me I have to be interested in it. I'm not interested in it. I think Hard Knocks has a great... It's funny because there's also that, um, what is that Amazon series that they're like following a team during uh, the season itself? Like there's there's plenty of ways besides Hard Knocks. I don't think Hard Knocks is played out. It's fun to get these look-ins, but nobody on the Cowboys is a character I care about at all. Well, they don't have any Uncle Juniors or Cousin Elmers, that's for sure. Yeah, it's not like Jared Goff out there like marveling <laughs> at the sun like it was for the Rams a few few years ago. R- ravishing Rick Rude. Uh, Brian, is, is, uh, is it played out? Do we need it anymore? I think there's a need for it because we're talking about it. Okay, and that's that's yeah, fair, yeah. Yeah, and, 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 and other shows on the FSR network are as well. So if we're talking about it, then it is game, and unfortunately it is the Cowboys, and I feel like their story is already playing out in large part in the public eye. So I feel like it's a little bit... Uh, I, you're repeating yourself in a way. I, I don't know how much you get from that that you don't already see or already infer from this team without watching the show itself. Well, and that's the thing. You hope to, you hope to see something new. Uh, Ricky, do you watch uh, Hard Knocks? Yeah, I saw it. And uh, as the residential Cowboys fan here at uh, that's fair. Go ahead. No, run. You, that's fair. We're not. Uh, we're not picking on you. No. Um. But I. I'm surprised, Bernie, that your indifference to the Cowboys, because my whole life I'm used to people like Chris, uh, you know, saying the things he just said, and you know, Brian calling him a traveling circus, 
So I do want to say it was interesting, and I thought Jerry Jones putting salt on the McGriddle was a must-see TV. He salted it from the side. Why don't, don't you take the top off when you salt it? Yeah, you, you, would, you would think, but... Are you from Dallas, by the way, or...? No, L.A. born and raised, but growing See, up. See, that's interesting. So you grew up a cop. Now, I remember when the Cowboys were good, and they used to be damn good. And they won three Super Bowls in five years in the early 90s. And Jerry admitted he screwed that thing up with Jimmy Johnson. And, you know, there there was some cachet to the Cowboys for a long time. They're still kind of benefiting from that, or they're trying to benefit from that. And then Jerry builds Jerry's world. And they're, they're like, I, I think he would, like, be on hard knocks every year if he could. And that, to me sort of underscores this whole thing and that is when you try to make yourself that important and that relevant and you haven't won a Super Bowl in 26 years you do incur the possible wrath as Chris put it you start to pat yourself on the back and when it's unwarranted then I do think you run the risk honestly of putting casting yourself in an unfavorable light I do though think that uh, Mike McCarthy would be a tremendous Barney Rubble that's my story and I'm sticking to that coming up another rousing edition of What My Name but first let's go to the man you know his name it's Bruin Finley with the latest. Thank you so much, Bernie. And a huge night on Saturday for Tyler Gilbert, the pitcher for the Diamondbacks. He got his debut on the mound, and he thrilled with his family on hand. He pitched a no-hitter and leads the Diamondbacks to a 7 nothing victory over the Padres. A plethora of NFL exhibition games coming through on Saturday, including the Raiders downing the Seahawks 20-7. to No Derek Carr, no Russell Wilson, but Nathan Peterman took the limelight, throwing for 246 yards and a pick. 49ers prized 2021 first-round selection. Trey Lance had an 80-yard touchdown pass, did not do much other than that. 5 for 14 through the air for 128 yards as the Niners lose to the Chiefs 19 to 16. Lance, though, did say that that touchdown, quote, was kind of the moment you dream of scoring your first touchdown, close quote, and then he realized that it was actually just the preseason. Uh, Jordan Love went three and out on his first two drives. The, the Packers quarterback, who was a first-rounder in 2020, this was actually his NFL debut, did not play in 2020 during the regular season and did not get in the preseason because there was no exhibition part of the schedule last year. He went 12 of 17, passing 122 yards, he liked the way he was playing. Personally, said he got into a rhythm, but the team, not so much. Malfunctioning here as they fall to the Texans 26-7. to Zach Wilson, the pride of the Jets. No interceptions, no touchdowns. Six of nine passing as he guides the Jets over the Giants 12-7. to And a bunch of field goals are the difference here. The Chargers do get one touchdown in the third quarter quarter but a 13 to 6 finish against the Rams perhaps the biggest highlight of the game was the viral videos that are spewing over the interwebs and social media of Rams fans trying to throw punches at each other in the seats what a way to welcome in the fans to SoFi Stadium that is quite the way to get things rolling in that beautiful stadium and on the baseball front Shohei Otani it's his 39th home run of the season. The Angels, the Angels, though, falter to the Astros 8-2. The Rockies close line. The Giants 4-1. And the Twins devour the Rays 
12 to nothing as we work that chess pass back to Bernie Frado, who's ready in rhythm to knock down that topside three. Just don't get caught watching the paint dry. As Norman <laughs> Dale once said, that is the silver tongue devil brewing friendly with the latest. All right. Back by popular demand. It is another rousing edition of What My Name. This one involves a famous actor. Now, you know the rules. I will give you the clue. I'll call your name. You get a five count to give an answer or you get the dreaded buzzer at the end. And by the way, this is only an exhibition, not a competition. So please, no wagering. I'm a famous actor. I've been in a ton of movies. But in the first movie I was ever in, I played a dead man in a coffin. And it really upset my family as everybody walked by to look at my face. What my name? Chris Perfett. Five. Four. Uh, three. I'm say Keanu Reeves. Two. Not a bad guess. But I'm sorry. Bruin Finley. Five. Why did Chris P. take four, my line? I was going to go with three, Keanu Reeves. Two. Uh, let's go one, with uh, Jim Caviezel. What, I'm a, sorry. what a name that was. <laughs> that was. He was in Passion of Christ. He was. He was in that All right. movie, too. We're down to Ricky Herrera to save the world. I'm an actor. I've been in a thousand good movies, really good ones you'd all recognize, but in my first one, my movie debut, I was in a coffin face up as people walked by and looked at me, and it upset my family. Ricky Herrera, five, four. Kevin Costner. Winner, winner, winner! Did you look it up? No, I was just going off of our Field of Dreams theme. Well, you know what? It's okay if you look it up. If you notice, I've never given any rules that you can't look it up in the interwebs. Or no, anything Brian's like looking oh. right over here. He would have saw no, me look I, up. There are look some producers, up. Bernie, that when you throw out these kind of games, I see them. I got a straight shot. They cheat. I'm not going to name names, but Ricky did it without cheating. It's I all It's you. all good. First of all, uh, it, was in the, it was in the game Trivial Pursuit, and it's Kevin Costner. The first movie Costner was ever in, and it was a famous movie with a lot of great stars called The Big Chill back in 1983. I don't know if any of you guys have seen it. It's worth tracking down on, uh, on you know, Netflix or HBO or, I don't know, go to go to the Blockbuster in Bend, Oregon. <laughs> There's one left in the nation and rent the damn thing. It Really, it's a good movie. And Costner was in the movie, and, and The Big Chill was about this, this group of of folks that had all grown up together and gone to, you know, they all went their separate ways and they all had a story to tell and they get back for this one weekend to celebrate the life of the, uh, of their friend who, who passed. And in the beginning they're at the funeral and, uh, and it's Kevin Costner in, in, in the, uh, in the casket. And, and, and what's interesting is Costner was very stoic about it. He said, you know what? I'm just glad I was in the movie because it kind of got things going. I wouldn't have liked it if, you know, no actor likes it if you film a scene and then it ends up in the cutting room floor. So Ricky Herrera, uh, Chris, tell him what he's won. Okay, mm, okay, good. I hope you enjoy it. But you guys did a fine job tonight because you didn't know this was happening. And uh, what we're going to do is is uh, we'll check w- with the nation to see if you want to continue this. But I, I think we want to continue this, right? And so uh, uh, good job with the sound effects here, Chris. By the way, what my name? Tom Brady, my name. And I had a birthday last week. And here's why you want to keep a guy like Aaron Rodgers around because we are now finding – 
people can play in the NFL at advanced ages since turning 40. By the way, Brady turned 44. He turned 44 last Tuesday, August 3rd, and guess what? He's older than 13 current NFL coaches, but that hasn't stopped him. Since turning 40, Tom Brady has won more playoff games since turning 40 than five NFL franchises have won in the history of their franchises. Not for nothing. Seven years ago, Bill Belichick drafted Brady's replacement. His name was Jimmy G. Since then, Tom Brady has been to four Super Bowls and won three of them. Meanwhile, Jimmy G, well, his replacement's already been drafted in April. By the way, when the Bucks play the Jets Sunday, January 2nd, Brady's opponent, his quarterback counterpart, Zach Wilson, he was also born on August 3rd. He had a birthday last August 3rd, too. But he was born in 1999, which means he's 22, not 44. So when the Jets play the Bucks on January 2nd, hopefully both, they both start on one side of the ball, you have a guy who's actually half the age of his adversary on the other side of the ball, exactly half his age to the day. That should be fun to watch. I want to see if Zach Wilson can keep up with his youthful counterpart coming up you know him you love him you can't live without him we bring you back out to vegas for some quarterback rankings and maybe we revisit that week one line tampa bay against the dallas cowboys since dak might be on the rack see what i did there all right (laughs) i just lost my place in line nicely done somebody answer the phone all right I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studio. Stick and stay right here. Keep it locked on Fox Sports Sunday. This is Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only, Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. From football playoffs to basketball madness, TCL Roku TVs are the best way to stream your favorite live sports. With all the biggest sports channels, a sports zone with all available games in one place, and apps like iHeartRadio with sports podcasts such as The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Cheering on your favorite team has never been easier. A big screen TCL Roku TV offers premium picture and sound quality, so you'll feel like you're right in the action. Find the perfect TCL Roku TV for you today at Amazon.com. 
What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying cows are bust. You can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be my That's my day. day. <laughs> we are back on Fox Sports Sunday. Fox Sports Radio. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. And before I go any further, I want to thank my broadcast team back in Los Angeles. They've been with me since... 11 p.m. yesterday, Pacific time. That is Chris Perfett, my executive producer. And then, of course, Brian Finley on the updates and Ricky Herrera. Thanks so much, guys, for all your hard work, turning all the dials, keeping us glued together so we can bring this fine show to a grateful nation. Bring it back out to Las Vegas. And you know him, you love him, you can't live without him. And it's Mackin' on Sports with Mackenzie Rivers. And Mackenzie, before we get to quarterback rankings, which are important because that has to do with the line Obviously, some quarterbacks are worth more to the line than others. A guy like Patrick Mahomes can be worth maybe eight or nine points to the line. A guy like Tom Brady can be worth seven. Aaron Rodgers, same boat. So it matters. It matters when you are placing a wager. But before we do, I understand now you've confirmed that week one, that Thursday night game, currently Tampa Bay is minus seven, even though it's against Dallas, even though it's uncertain as to whether or not Dak Prescott will play. Is that correct? Yes, and that's what Vegas does. We price uncertainty. It's kind of ironic. The day that it was announced that Dak Prescott's coming back to practice was the day Vegas was like, we don't really buy that. We're actually kind of skeptical that Dak's going to be at 100% week one. That's when the line moved from 6.5 pretty quickly that Monday, Tuesday morning. Tuesday morning, should say. To six and a half to seven. Now it's seven everywhere. You can't find six and a half unless you're willing to lay minus 130. Well, I can't imagine what that team's going to look like without Dak and that offense that couldn't stop a parade. And I would say if Dak's not in the top 10, he's probably only worth three points to the line. But be that as it may, I got to believe it's a runaway. You're already crossing a key number now when you get to seven, but right. let's save that. We've, we've got to watch this, McKenzie, because I honestly got to have no idea if Dak Prescott's going to play week one, which is upon us. It's three weeks from Thursday. All right, quarterback rankings are important, and maybe you can take a minute to tell the folks why, McKenzie, because it is the most important position on the football team, and it's one that can really move a line. So before we get to your rankings, give this some perspective. Give this some context. Yes, QB is king, and increasingly so. Currently, Fezzik's player rating, Fezzik, the great Steve Fezzik, only two-time winner of the Westgate Super Contest. He does player ratings, part of his handicap, to figure out, okay, day of a game, Sunday morning, I get a text, this guy's out. What does it mean to my betting? What it should mean to the line? All the players, not quarterbacks in the league, the very best of them, the Derrick Henrys, the Christian McCaffrey's on his best day, they are not worth one-eighth of a Patrick Mahomes. They are not worth one-tenth 
of a Tom Brady who has a little bit of a more of a worse backup, so more important, I think, on any given daily basis. But this is the NFL. If you're trying to figure out the NFL, if you're trying to handicap the NFL, figuring out which are the best quarterbacks and which offenses will succeed with their current quarterback is very close to being the whole ball game. If you know which quarterbacks will excel, you will know which offenses will excel. And as football outsiders, pro football focus, the more studies we do, the more research we do, every year we find out offense is king. 70, 67, somewhere around there. That percent of your team's success will have to do with the offense. So last year, when we did a very similar segment, and I boldly said, Tom Brady, number three. Number three in the league. Well, it turns out I was wrong. He was better than that. And if you would have been like at Keeper of the Real, shout out on Twitter, on that train saying, hey, Tom Brady is not what he was in 2019 with a bad offense. He's more like he was in 2018 when he was winning the Super Bowl, uh, throwing for 38 points against the Chiefs at Kansas City. If he's that guy, then they're going to succeed. They won their last nine games of the season. Figuring out the best quarterbacks is figuring out the NFL. I have Mahomes one. I have Tom Brady two. Russell Wilson had a rough end of the season, but I still have him number three, Rodgers number four. Those four are by far the best quarterbacks in the league. Then I have number five, Josh Allen, number six, Lamar Jackson, number seven, Herbert. I know he only had one season, but I'm bullish on him. But speaking of bullish, I gave this guy out last year. I'm still on the train. I know he had a terrible end of the season with the shoulder injury. Arizona's Kyler Murray. I think he's a top 10 quarterback. I have him right here at number eight. And here's my case. I know we're a passing league, but hey, I'm, I'm, I'm a Shanahan famo. You know, I learned from my cousin. I learned from my uncle. I think you win the game, not turning the ball over. And if you can run for four yards a pop, ain't nobody in the world going to stop you. You get, four, you get four, tracks, <laughs> four cracks at it. And this is the thing about having a mobile quarterback. It helps you in two ways. You have the scramble ability. You have the designed runs. But that's not even half of it. If you look at EPA, expected points added, on running plays, those quarterbacks that have the run ability to the threat, the Josh Allen, the Lamar Jackson, the Kyler Murrays, those teams succeed far more on traditional run plays. That's exactly Why? right. The, t- the the defense is spread out. You know, with well, the speed necessary for def- defensive backs, they get spread out. The number three teams in the league, the Patriots, the Ravens, and the Cardinals all had the best EPA, all because they had threats at running from their quarterback position. Well, you're, you're spot on because the reason Josh Allen did so well is because Buffalo runs the ball well and they set up play action so well. And if you make a defensive coordinator only have to be one-dimensional, meaning he just has to stop the pass or the run, you've diminished your offense. You have to be able to do both. And to your point about turning the ball over – Typically, an NFL team will get about nine and a half possessions per game. Every time you turn it over, you give your opponent one more and you have one less. I want to gravitate right to your number nine, who's Matt Stafford. Now, the biggest variance between him and some of the other publications, only Justin Herbert has a greater variance. But Stafford across the board is 9, 12, 7, 17, or check that. Uh, or actually, or eleven by 11, Pro Football yeah. Focus. Yeah. Now here's a guy who's ten and sixty-five against teams who finished <laughs> above five hundred. Zero and three in the playoffs. Zero and seven teams. I saw with my own eyes. Mm. Now I understand he's put up numbers. The thing is, and you, we we kind of buried this in, in the middle of the segment. You're to the relative degree a quarterback is valuable, particularly the point spread. To a great degree, 
is dependent upon who his backup is, which means there's that much more fall off. Talk about Stafford and your thoughts, because look, I'm not going to be. I don't. I don't root against the guy. I've said that I'm a Stafford fan. He's a warrior. He won Detroit over. He does everything but win. I'm with you, Bernie. I look at statistics in a very particular way. What are you achieving? What were you trying to achieve? Now, Matt Stafford, 10 and 65. Wow, against winning competitions. Was it all the curse of being in Detroit? Maybe not having no. the best coaching staff. No, I can't. I don't think it can be. McKenzie, in yes. 2014, the Lions had a top five defense, and he he had a. Hall of Fame wide receiver for basically his entire career, first ballot in Calvin Johnson. The cupboard wasn't as bare as they'd like you to believe every single year. You make a great point, Bernie. I'm looking at my uh, 10 is Tannehill, 11 would be Prescott. You know what? I have to I have to revisit Stafford. He's someone that I've been increasing on, just you know, listening different coaches talk about him. My cousin even talked about him on a podcast, Kyle Shanahan. Let me mention that one more time as we as we go from last week to this week on Fox Sports Radio. Thanks for hanging out with us. Yeah, I don't know, Bernie. Will he do it now that he has the the quote unquote genius behind him and Sean McVay? I'm excited to see, but I'm not very confident in him at number nine. I could easily see Tannehill Prescott jumping him early in the season. Good stuff, McKenzie. As always, you'll join me every week. We will do these segments, Mackin' on Sports, because everybody bets. And you can no longer have a sports conversation now without you know, interjecting the line, the odds, the totals. It's just part of the lexicon of America. I would just say this about Stafford. What I've coined about Matt Stafford is this. I believe he's a guy you might win with, but not because of. That's why I'm sticking to my guns the way I stuck to my guns with Brady last year. I didn't predict they'd win the Super Bowl, but I predicted they'd be a 10-11 win team and they'd go to the playoffs. Stafford is the type of guy you win with, not because of. So if the Rams are banking on him being the savior, I don't think it's going to be in the cards. That's going to do it for Fox Sports Sunday. It rolls on. I'm Bernie Fratto. Keep it locked. Up next, Brian No and Andy Furman. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. From football playoffs to basketball madness, TCL Roku TVs are the best way to stream your favorite live sports. With all the biggest sports channels, a sports zone with all available games in one place, and apps like iHeartRadio with sports podcasts such as The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Cheering on your favorite team has never been easier. A big screen TCL Roku TV offers premium picture and sound quality, so you'll feel like you're right in the action. Find the perfect TCL Roku TV for you today at Amazon.com. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Are you self-conscious about your smile due to stains? Have you ever wished that you had a whiter and brighter smile? Smile Actives is a safe and affordable alternative to expensive whitening procedures. 
you simply add Smile Actives Gel to your toothpaste every time you brush your teeth, making it the easiest teeth whitening solution out there. In a clinical trial, Smile Actives users reported up to five shades whiter on average, all within seven days. No change to your routine, no extra time. Right now, they are running a buy one, get one offer. Hurry to smileactives.com iHeart today to receive this special offer with free shipping and handling.